Reveal Jackson. chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, it says, And John preached, saying, 
After me, he who comes is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with Holy Spirit. And if you pair that with the reference in, in Matthew 3, we get a fuller picture of what John the Baptist was up to and what he was pointing to. So as John went around baptizing, he, he was found to be baptizing people in the Jordan as they were confessing their sins. So John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Which makes sense, right? Because the word that John the Baptist got from the Lord to promote is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is your word that God has given you to speak? If you look throughout scripture, people in, in the Bible have gotten a word from the Lord to carry, right? If you go back to Moses, what was the word that, that God gave to Moses? Deliver my people. And that's what Moses' entire ministry consisted of. That's what his entire life consisted of once he started following the Lord. And then here we have John the Baptist, his word, go preach repentance. So John the Baptist, as he is, as he's baptizing in the, in the Jordan, he sees that there are Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptisms. And he called out to them. And he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to yourselves. But well, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let me just ask you a question. Is, is, is repentance and baptism enough to get you into heaven? Uh, kind of, right? It, it's how you live after that moment. Too many Christians today, we've, we pray the sinner's prayer because we want to escape the eternity in hell if, if, if we believe that there is a hell. But then we live our life without any kind of regard to God, with no respect to who He is and how we're supposed to be living. And we haven't allowed the gift of salvation to grasp their heart, to transform them transform their lives and how they live it. Now there are also a, um, you know, a group of Christians where yeah, they repented, they got baptized, they're saved, and they're living the good life, they're fighting the good fight. Most of them living comfortable, not going outside of, of that comfort zone, going about their lives honoring the Lord. But I think it's, it's important, if you've been in my session today, it's like, well, whenever God repeats something in Scripture, we need to pay attention to it, Right? So John is separating these two baptisms, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use baptism and filling in interchangeably throughout the rest of this message. The baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, if I may add, it is in all four gospels. Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, John 1. So simply we see to pay attention to that. There's importance to that, there's significance in that. They're important events. So when you look at Jesus being baptized, maybe you've asked yourself this question. Does Jesus need to repent and be baptized? Well, no. He was without sin. But I believe John and Jesus are setting the example for the Christian life. This baptism where Holy Spirit rested on Jesus not only signified to those watching of God coming and God opening up the heavens and saying, this is my son, but also empowered him and promoted him 
to minister fully as he did. And as you read other narratives about Jesus' life, you see how after this baptism of water and of Holy Spirit, his, his ministry was empowered to, yeah, like speak about the kingdom of, of heaven boldly, but also to perform and live the kingdom of God here on earth. So often you and I are praying the Lord's Prayer like, Lord, on earth as, in as, it, is in as it is in heaven. But we don't live that out. That prayer has just become somewhat of a ritual in our church services. But if you break that down, like there's, that's a call. That should be a call from our heart. God, help me to be in line with your purpose and your plan. So when we get to the part of, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, may we live that out as God and Jesus want us to, and as Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. And if you notice, every time that Jesus interacted with with people who, who were touched by the power of God, that not only changed them physically, but it also changed them mentally and spiritually. It pointed them to the Father. It drew them to the Father. It gave them insight of what the Father's heart was for them. So later on, we see the Apostle Paul. We know the Apostle Paul that he was the person that was ravaging the church. He was, he was first an assault. And then he had an encounter with the Lord, and he now became Paul, who then became the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, Paul's talking to those at Ephesus. He says, And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, into them, what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Those that John had baptized were considered to be Christ followers. I think that's significant to recognize. And just as these men at, at Ephesus, you and I have, have encountered, or maybe, maybe you're in that place right now where you have received Jesus, and yes, you have received Holy Spirit um, at your moment of salvation, but there's more that God wants to give. Yes, they were recognized to be Christ followers, but they were not filled with Holy Spirit. And then being Christ followers, that would have been enough for them to get into heaven. But what Paul is asking them is about this baptism. He is speaking about this feeling of Holy Spirit, not only just like not only for them themselves, but for power and for ministry. These these Christ followers, they they need to be empowered so that they can then go spread the word throughout Ephesus and other parts of the world. I think those in Ephesus need to be. The example for the church today, the Capital C Church. We have many in the church who have received the baptism of repentance and have stopped right there. And that's enough for them. Many have a phrase, kind of like John Lloyd, who is the chaplain of the United States Senate. He said, sadly, many Christians settle for only two-thirds of God. Trinity means three. There's three persons. Sadly, too many Christians are satisfied with just God and Jesus. 
and they've rejected or ignored have been or have been ignorant to the things of the spirit. They're already interested in the two, not all three. There's been so many thoughts about about Holy Spirit, many people claiming his power but abusing it. We have witnessed it or heard about it by crazy stories about those who just are out of control. We have built up in our mind that that Holy Spirit is somehow weird and, and uncontrollable. So we don't want our lives to be like that because we like how we look right now. We like how everyone likes us and wants to talk to us. We like looking clean, cut, and, and, and kept together. But I think we, we've, we've expressed Holy Spirit in the wrong way. Maybe not everybody, but there have been waves that have come through where, you know, I, I've heard some people say, well, he is called the Holy Ghost. That's kind of spooky. No, he's like he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's one that empowers you to do more. Amen. But then there's also too many of us that have, that have been the opposite of those in Ephesus. We've been unwilling to listen and hear something new. Or be told something that is already true and that has already been taught and that has been experienced. This understanding of, of baptism or, or being filled with Holy Spirit. And you know, I just have to ask this question. Do we not believe because someone told us not to? Or do we not believe because we haven't witnessed His moving for ourselves? Or do we not believe because we're afraid? Those at Ephesus recognize the authority that Paul had. And instead of shutting him down, and instead of questioning him, they were willing to receive what he had. And I believe that's what God calls us to do. We can't receive something that we're not willing to receive. There takes an act on your part and on my part to surrender anything that, that we think we know that isn't true with Scripture. Or to surrender anything that we witnessed in the past. Because if, if most of us are honest, we've actually never seen something like that happen. But great-grandma told us that it happened in her church 30 years ago. But because grandma said it, I'm, I'm going to believe it. And that's already going to set my standard to not go near it. So let's kind of break Paul's question down a bit. So he says, did you receive Holy Spirit when you believed? Again, Paul understands that those in Ephesus were Christ followers. This, this question does not simply refer to the Spirit's presence in their life that, that enters a believer whenever they first surrender their life to Christ in that, in that born-again moment. Because clearly Paul is aware that that has happened. Right? In Romans 8 9, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and he has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The literal translation of, of Paul's question and, and Paul's message could read like this. So having believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed? So they were, they were already Christ followers, but Paul had something else. 
Paul says Jesus has come and gone and now there's another one. The promise that he gave is here. Paul recognizes that they were true believers because he didn't baptize them with water. He baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and laid hands on them to receive. And if you go back to the Great Commission, Paul was leading up to the Great Commission. He was going and baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know that also tells me about these men at Ephesus? Sometimes in our life, there's a period between our moment of belief and conversion and a moment when we're baptized in the Spirit. It doesn't always have to be like that. But maybe you're, you're here tonight, and you're like, well, I haven't had that second experience. Well, that's not unbiblical. Those in Ephesus had experienced that same thing. It's, it's estimated there's like a 20 to 25 year gap between John's baptism and the men in Ephesus receiving Holy Spirit. Don't give up. Ask for more. Yes. And I think, but too many Christians are stuck in that time period, and sometimes we, we get so focused, well, Lord, it's just been 10 years, it's just been so long, and, and we get to this downward spiral of, of kind of just being discouraged about it. But let me encourage you today that, that God is present with you every moment, and He wants to give you good things. He's not here to tease you. He's not here to like, hey, look what I got. But he wants to give it to you. You know, a, a problem, especially in, in the American church, so I've done um, some extensive travel throughout, throughout the world for, for different types of mission trips and internships and things like that. But what I've discovered here in the, in the American church is that we like to blame our lack of belief or our fears like on those crazy stories that really have no like weight in them. Like they're not like eternal stories. Because and then because of those we we make up this reality that is a falsehood of who Holy Spirit is. And that and that keeps us blocked. That keeps us from experiencing who Holy Spirit is and, and how He desires to be in our lives and to operate in, in our lives. I think most of our unbelief or that or lack thereof has come from possibly even an experience that we witnessed where, where God didn't show up and do what his word said that he could do. And if we're honest, that sucks. But instead of going back to the word of God to find truth of who he is, we try to fit the word into our situation and try to align what we think the word should say. I think that's been harmful for Generation to generation. It has caused people to not desire to be empowered, not to live in fullness. Because there are there are moments when maybe Holy Spirit is mentioned, or, or maybe you see someone kind of like getting the shakes, or, or, or someone being made, made like a little out of out of order or out of place that, that people just they perk up or they rebuttle it real quick, or or sometimes they they get up and they walk out and never to return. And I don't think it's because God doesn't want them to receive from him. I think more so it's an attack of the enemy of the mind. Allowing fear to take over. So let's go back to, to our initial passage. So Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
The coming of the Spirit is, is equipping the disciples to fulfill Jesus' mission. There's no way that they can go baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth without Holy Spirit. Pastor Jeff Leake, in his book, Power for Life, he says, When you're baptized in Holy Spirit, you become a part of God's strategic plan to reach the world with the hope of Jesus Christ. Which then is the second part of verse 8. It says, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But again, the disciples could not do that without first encountering the promise from heaven. In Zechariah 4, 6, it gives us insight. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You and I can talk till we're blue in the face. But if we do not have the spirit talking through us. We're just like talking to that wall. There's a difference when you're equipped and empowered by Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people try to try to say that that the gift of the Spirit or, or being filled or baptized with the Spirit is a luxury. And man, whoo, look at I can is like, no, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. When I look back in and there's years of my life where, where, where Holy Spirit wasn't necessarily moving in the way that, that He's called to, the way that He says that He moves. Life was horrible. Life was harder. But when you receive the power from on high, I mean, when you look at, at the presence of Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, when you go back to the Old Testament, like, you know, so Holy Spirit came on a, on a specific person for a specific time, for a specific people, for a specific purpose, and that whole nation was influenced and affected by Holy Spirit. And then you get to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus, empowered Him for ministry. Whenever He was in the grave, had the power to raise Him from the grave into life. That same power that transforms nations, that influences a group of people, that raises the dead to life, is the same power that lives in you and in me. But we kind of walk around like this. I've met people who, who have been on this journey and, and they had this encounter with Holy Spirit. And before Holy Spirit, it's like those moments of, of those temptations seemed to be so difficult to get through. They kept falling into it over and over and over and over and over again. But then Holy Spirit came into their life and they were radically changed. They were strengthened. And they've been able to avoid that temptation and actually use that as a platform to preach the gospel. Only Holy Spirit can do that. God takes ordinary people like you and me and does extraordinary things through them because of the power of the Spirit. You know, if you look at, at this phrase witness, it's mentioned like 29 times in the book of Acts. So if it's repeated, it's important, right? And, and, and in Acts 4, 19, we, we get a, a definition of what a witness is. So it says, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So I'll point to witness. We can do nothing but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. And that scene, what we have seen God do, what we've experienced in our life, and what in the testimonies that we heard that God has performed. And if we go a step further, we get our English word martyr 
from the Greek translation of witness. So Paul and the other witnesses were like martyrs. They were laying their life down. They were surrendering their life to a cause that they believed in. And that cause was the power of Jesus Christ through the fulfillment of Holy Spirit to live and be reconnected back to God the Father. So as Christians, we are to be witnesses, laying down our life and our own agenda to pick up the will of God, the kingdom of God, being filled by Holy Spirit so that we can not only preach about the kingdom of God, but live and exemplify the kingdom of God. And verse 8 sets up the rest of the book of Acts. And even the rest of the New Testament. So first, you know, it's like a person needs to be empowered by the presence of Holy Spirit. And then um, the, the growth of the church would come through the witness of the disciples. And it must start where you are at first. If we're going to ever go to somebody else. And then once you have been a witness where you live, so in your family or in your local church, then there's an opportunity to go to other communities and to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. Because if you can't be um, a light here, you can't be a light somewhere else. Okay, so I think we have some good groundwork. So let's actually get into the message of being empowered for mission. So, um, so here's a couple questions that I, that I have for you to think about as we go forward. So how do we serve as witnesses? How does Holy Spirit empower us or empower you individually to do ministry? So we see that after Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, his ministry had started. We read of the many signs and wonders that he performed and the healings and the, and the deliverances he performed. Right? So it's like Jesus had such an important schedule, right? He had such an important task. But even amidst his journey, he never overlooked the person who was in need. He was always willing to stop for the one. The person who was an outcast, the person who, who was untouchable, the person that who was, who was unlovable, and he stopped and spent time with them. He brought healing to their lives or you know, to their lives, or he delivered them from the demonic. And revealed the heart of the Father to them. Have you been willing to stop for the one? Many would say, well, he's the son of God, so of course he's going to do that. Well, let's move away from Jesus for a second. Let's go to those who are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So this might come as a shock to you. If you look at Acts chapter 1, there's more than just the disciples there. There were 120 gathered total. And the 120 that were gathered were touched and filled with the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit enabled them, they spoke in different tongues. I love how Pastor Jamin spoke of that this morning, how, how God went from the Tower of Babel and used the day of Pentecost to reunite and bring the nations back to Him. So many, so many people focus on tongues as being like the reason or the witness of being filled with the Spirit. And, and let's say that is the case. That being filled with the Spirit needs to go beyond that initial moment, though. Now, that is the initial moment, but what happens after that moment? If it is the case that, yes, that you're touched by the Spirit and, and you start speaking in tongues, okay, well, what happens tomorrow? What happens a week from now? What happens a year from now? How has that encounter and experience with Holy Spirit changed and transformed your life? Or has that been your only focus? Has that been your only desire? 
So those gathered in the upper room were filled with the Spirit, and they, they spoke in different tongues. And the multitude that was that, that was gathered in the town heard of this amazing event. They were bewildered because they heard the people speaking in their own native language. And all were amazed and perplexed, asking, what does this mean? And there, of course, were some saying, well, they're drunk with wine. And I think that's another example of what our church looks like today. There are going to be people who are naysayers and say, well, they're just drunk with wine. They're crazy. You don't want to go there. But there are others who were amazed and perplexed. <coughs> Maybe thinking, this is absurd. This is crazy. This is weird. But I hear what they're saying. I know what they're saying. So Peter gets up and he describes what's happening, right? And, and he confirms that Joel 2, 28-32 is, is being fulfilled in this moment. And what happens? 3,000 come into the kingdom of God. So that there are 3,000 added that day. And then there are other moments when, when, when the gospel is being preached and signs, signs and wonders are being done. And what happens? And daily, people were added to their gathering. So then what happens? Peter and John go out. And there was a lame beggar looking for money, right? But they prayed for him and they healed him. So let's just look at that story real quick. So Peter and John are going to the temple. And a lame man from birth was at the gate of the temple. And the man was a beggar. Peter and John could have easily done what, what, a, good, what a good portion of, of Christians do. Uh, threw some coins in this cup and kept on going. Because that would have been the quick and easy way for them to continue with their schedule. But is that what Peter and John do? No, they even say, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And it says immediately the guy's feet and ankles remained strong. And he stood and began to walk. The lame beggar then went in the temple with them, praising God. So not only was there this physical healing that took place because of the empowerment of the Spirit upon Peter and John, and so not only did this man receive the ability to walk again, he no longer had to become a beggar, but he turned to the Lord and praised God. You know, whenever you show up with something different that people don't have, a.k.a. Holy Spirit power, they recognize and they want to know, well, how is that even possible? The signs and the gifts, that, that's not the goal. They're just the vehicle to get you to the goal. Jesus didn't say, well, go, go and do all these signs and then leave it there. He's no, like, go do this preaching and teaching. Bring people into the kingdom of God. Bring the nations back to God. You know, I don't think we experience the, the fullness of the power of God in our lives because most of us don't live lives that require it. Most of us aren't willing to stop for the bigger. We don't take the risk. We don't take the time out to interact with that person. We don't spend enough energy to share our faith. We're talking about Jesus. We're more like a Sunday and done. Or maybe you're like, Saturday done. But Peter and John were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they were in love with Jesus and they so desperately wanted to be obedient to what Jesus had taught them. So they were following his example. 
They took a risk. And what happened? The beggar got healed. Not only did the beggar get healed, but he praised the Lord. He praised God. What is it going to take for us to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Because there are people that you and I pass on a daily basis who need them. Let's go one chapter over, and Peter and John are before the council, and, and Holy Spirit um, gave Peter the words to say, and then later on in that chapter, it says that the believers asked and prayed for boldness, in Acts 4, 29-31, it says, and now, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, when they prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here we are. We have these Christians, these empowered Christians being rebuttaled, being put on trial, being threatened. And what's their prayer? Oh God, like stop, like, stop the threats. Is that their prayer? No, they were embodied and empowered by the Holy Spirit. God, regardless of what threats that come against me, regardless of the threats of taking my life, where I am a witness, I'm a martyr for you, give me more boldness to preach your word. What happens? Because they were united together in one heart and one mind, asking for that same boldness, Holy Spirit came once again and refilled them and gave them boldness to continue preaching the gospel. In chapter 5 of Acts, there were, there were many signs and wonders performed, and all those who were sick and afflicted with unclean spirits were healed. Now, let's just talk about like demon possession and oppression for a second. Um, if you were in Pastor Jamin's uh, session earlier today, there might be some repetition. But So as Christians, we are filled with light, right? And being filled with the Holy Spirit fills us with the same power that not only Jesus had to minister with, but also the same power that conquered death in the grave. I'm no doctor and I'm no psychologist and I've never claimed to be. But I can't help to think that our world is potentially over-medicated and over-psychoanalyzed. I believe that a good portion of, of our mental and physical and emotional issues and matters can be taken care of if we just recognize that there's a demonic presence that is always around us. That there's an enemy prowling around to devour us and take care of it in the supernatural way. But it's sad to recognize that, that today in our modern day, we're looking for the comfortable answer, maybe the quick answer, because no one wants to say that I'm possessed or oppressed, and no one wants to claim that someone is possessed or oppressed. And medication, as much as it seems like a quick fix, I've known people who've been on medication for years and years and years and years and years. That doesn't seem like a quick fix to me. And I'm not... I'm not saying that we don't need medicine because I believe that, 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 that medicine is, is, is one of the gifts of healing. I'm just saying that there probably doesn't need to be as much medicine if we are looking with spiritual eyes and recognize that there is a dark spiritual realm around us that needs to be conquered. Amen. So why don't we pray for deliverance? Why are we willing to, to wrestle with that and ask those questions? Well, I think sometimes it's because we don't know how. It just hasn't been taught in our churches. 
You see over and over of people being delivered in scripture, but yet it's rarely preached from the pulpit. Or maybe we just don't believe in possession and oppression. And if I may, I, I, I would be bold enough to say that we don't believe in the demonic oppression and possession because we don't believe in being filled with the Spirit. And that might be the case more often than not. I have a hard time believing that Christians who say that they are Spirit-filled yet don't acknowledge the demonic oppression and possession that is all around us. Because the last time I checked, light recognizes light. But light also recognizes darkness. And light wants to do everything to invade that darkness. Holy Spirit ain't scary. There are so many people walking around oppressed or, or, or possessed, and, and the people that have the power to introduce them to this love and this freedom and this light are walking around with our eyes closed. Believe me, if you were that person that needed to be delivered, you would want someone to reach out and pray for you and to love you. So I, I've gone to Africa a couple times, and you know, in, in the culture of, of Africa, uh, the demonic is very real to them. Uh, you know, part of their part of their culture is to send their children to the bush school to to learn the rituals and um, and the, and the way of sacrifices and and all the other things that have gone along with their culture. You know, with all the dark magic, with all the demonic, and so much more. It's an everyday occurrence to them. Most villages have a witch doctor. But it's interesting. Every service I've ever attended, they always start out with prayer. And in that prayer, there's always a section of that prayer. Every time. There's always a section of that prayer where they are praying against the demonic forces. When's the last time that your church prayed against the demonic forces in your church service? When's the last time you prayed against demonic forces in your own personal life? And it's common for them to see people delivered in their services. Sometimes they have, they have they camp meetings and they have a special tent called the deliverance tent. And that's where they go and pray for people to be delivered from the demonic. And, that's, and, and it's not just in Africa. There's other places around the world that are so in tune with the spiritual realm, the good and the bad. And I think that the American church, we can learn from that. We don't need to be afraid of that. Forget what Hollywood says about it. It's not cool. I hate the devil. Let's continue in Acts. So we see Stephen, it says that he's full of grace and power, and he is, he is noted to be performing great wonders and signs among the people. He is speaking and preaching boldly, so much so to call out the high priest listening to his message. He says, you stiff-necked people. Can you imagine saying that to someone? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. This led to Stephen being becoming a martyr. He was stoned. And in that moment, we get another glimpse of Stephen's life and reliance on the Holy Spirit. Before he dies, it says he full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning him, he fell to his knees and asked God, Lord, please do not hold this sin against them. The Spirit had given Stephen power to speak what he was seeing 
be committed to the purpose of the gospel. And that even in the moment of, of his death, those who were killing him, Lord, please forgive them. Do not hold this against them. He recognized that they still needed the Lord, regardless of how they were treating him. This story makes me think of the story of, of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, right? So, so it says that Miriam and Aaron were talking against Moses, and the Lord heard it. And after, um, so after God had called Miriam and, 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 and Aaron and Moses out of the tent, Miriam was struck with leprosy. And what did we see Moses doing? Father, please heal her. Too often there are people that are coming up against us. Too often there's too many people threatening us that instead of praying for them, instead of asking God not to hold that against them, we're like, go ahead, Lord, do what you got to do. Mm -hmm, go ahead, strike them. They deserve it. Last time I checked, that's not the example that we're set. That's not what the Holy Spirit would empower you to say. Holy Spirit will give you the power to say, Lord, love them. Forgive them. Soften their heart. Lord, reach out to them. When I think of the story of Stephen, it's also, that's the peace that surpasses understanding. That's what Stephen was experiencing in that moment. So in Acts chapter 9, we get the story of, of Ananias. So Peter went to Lydia. There was a man there, and, and uh, there Ananias, who was bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. Peter says to him, the Lord heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Following this narrative... Is the one of Tabitha. She became ill and died. Peter went to where she was, cleared the room, and said, Tabitha, arise. She opened up her eyes and sat up. This became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So in both of these situations, back to back, a man was paralyzed and healed, and many came to the Lord. Tabitha was dead and came back to life, and many believed in the Lord. we got to stop just preaching the Word of God. we got to start doing and living the Word of God. Maybe you've been preaching the word of God saying, well, Lord, just going to make us falling on deaf ears. No one's listening. If someone gets out of the wheelchair, they're going to listen. If someone's leg throws out, they're going to listen. I remember I was in a service one time, and, um, and there was a lady there that, that was kind of like walking with a limp. And, and she came up to get prayed for it. And I, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to have her sit down, so I had her sit down. And I, I like lifted her legs up, and, and her one leg was shorter than, than the other leg. I was like, well, pray for her leg to stretch out. Okay. So there's a group of people around, and we're, and we're praying. And, and as we're praying, her leg grows out. And all of a sudden, everyone's just like freaking out because they all saw her leg grow out. But then from that moment, it set up the rest of the evening. People came expecting to encounter God. And I can tell you, there's a difference between coming to church on a Sunday just because it's a, it's a ritual and coming to church expecting to encounter God. Right. We have two... We have lost too quickly the expectation of encountering and experiencing God. Stop making God just what you need to do on Sunday. But who you encounter on a daily basis. And I can go on and on and on about the stories of signs and wonders and healings and, and, and deliverances that took place because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But what do we also see in this? This was never for the glory of Peter and John and Paul. It was never about them. Time and time again, Paul was just like beating himself up. Like, how could I ever be used for the Lord? I'm paraphrasing. It was all for the glory of God. 
was to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. Time and time again when this is happening, it says that many turn to the Lord. In Bill Johnson's book, Essential Guide to Healing, it says the gifts of the Spirit are the blessing of God's power to help us in life. They are signs of the inbreak of His kingdom, and they help to establish His domain by pushing back the powers of darkness, sickness, and the demonic. An inbreak of the kingdom is when the power of God is released in the earth to perform a sign, a wonder, a healing, and miracle. To be empowered for mission, which has been our focus of this whole conference, has hopefully been exactly that for you. If we are going to be empowered for mission, we first need to recognize our need for the presence of Holy Spirit in our own personal lives. If we don't first recognize the need that we have in our own lives, we can never tell someone else that they also have a need. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told them to go wait on the promise. They had two options. They could either leave Jerusalem and go and start the mission, or they could go and wait. In order to receive Holy Spirit, there needs to be a submission of our own will. The disciples submitted their lives to this cause. They said, go and wait. And they decided to submit to Jesus' plan. And because they did, they received the power from on high. Jesus said, it is better that I go away so that the helper can come. Is there a willingness to be open to learn more about him? Is there a willingness to submit your will and your mind and your heart to receive more from God or to think you got it all figured out? Then we need to recognize that the signs accompanies the gospel, not the apostle. It doesn't say go and, and preach the kingdom of God and the signs of the apostles did. No, they go and preach and go preach and do the word of God. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit are for you and for me. Because God is for us. In Mark 16, 20, we get that confirmation. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the accompanying of signs. God confirmed the message because of the signs and wonders that were performed through those who were ministering the word of the Lord. We then need to go on this journey with a mindset and a heart position to know that the gifts themselves are not the goal. They're the vehicle or the gateway to the goal. Our goal on ministering and being empowered by the Holy Spirit is to get people saved and filled. So they then can have that relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit so that they then can be a witness. Because here's the thing, the people that you encounter, the people that you minister to, the people that, that you help bring into the kingdom of God are going to encounter people that you will never meet. And that's good because those people need to encounter the Lord. So that the people that they meet that you and the other person will never meet, then they get to encounter the Lord. Too many of us are, are chasing the gift instead of the giver. It's all about Him. Our goal is not the one to say, great, I healed 130 people this year. Okay, did you do it in love? Did you point them to Jesus? Or the goal is not to get the most prophetic words, or to perform the most signs of wonder, or, or to have your name on a billboard, or whatever the case may be. 
regardless of where we are in our walk with the Lord, maybe you haven't understood what your giftings are, maybe you've been operating them for, for 30 years. It's important to over and over again to check the position of your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for the will of God? From my own personal experience, it seems like uh, the giftings and the abilities that God has, has allowed me to serve Him through, uh, they have mirrored my personal connection and relationship with Him. Uh, so, if I'm just being honest, in those moments when, when I have not been present with Him, where I have not pursued Him diligently, that reflects in how I minister. That reflects in how I respond to people. That reflects on how, of how discerning I am to what it is that He was around me. You know, Billy Graham used to say that um, if I skip reading the Bible for one day, I notice. If I skip two days, my wife notices. If I miss four of them, everyone else notices. I think there's truth in that, even in the spiritual sense. If you, in your personal life, are not seeking the Lord for your own personal relationship, then how can we ever be ignorant enough to think that God will give us something more than we have to pursue ourselves? Spiritual gifts are not, spiritual gifts are tools to build with. We're building the kingdom of God. They're not toys or weapons to fight each other with. They're tools to build with. I couldn't stress enough. I can't stress enough whenever, whenever I talk about Holy Spirit and the giftings that He gives us to encourage and exhort and to comfort and to, co and to console the church. Are we building people up or are we tearing them down? Are we comforting them and saying, hey, boy, you get over it? They're given to us to build the kingdom. Not to fight with, not to get above someone else, not to play with and mess around. This is serious business. I'm all about the, the joy of the Lord. I would love it if the Lord let me laugh every day, all day, to, to feel my sides hurt. And I get some abs that way. Amen. But there's also some hard, <laughs> there's also some hard work that needs to be put in. The presence of the Spirit was to be better than the presence of Jesus. I've said a phrase for uh, for years, and it's it's so it's bad English. Uh, I think so. I've said that we have over theologized Holy Spirit. Um, I'm not even sure if that like fully makes sense. But, like I understand it, so I just say it. <laughs> But recently, I came across a theologian that says a very similar phrase in a more deep and understandable way. So, here's what James Dunn says in his book, Baptism in the Spirit. He says, It is a sad commentary on the poverty of our own immediate experience of the Spirit that when we come across language in, the New, in which the New Testament writers refer directly to the gift of the Spirit to their experience of it, either we automatically refer to the sacraments, and can only give in meaning when we do so, or else we discount the experience described as too subjective and mystical in favor of a faith which is essentially an affirmation of biblical propositions, or else we in effect psych psych uh, psychologize, psychologize the spirit out of existence. So for those that understand that, we over-theologize Holy Spirit. Here's the thing, we don't have any authority until we first live in the, under the authority. 
we can't go out and, and expect people to be delivered and healed if we're not being obedient and submissive to the authority of God in our own personal lives. So where are you today? I'm going to call the worship team up, if I can do that. Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit, but it's been a while. You're feeling kind of tired and warm. You know that in the Bible that there were refillings and refreshments of the Spirit? Again, God's people repeated the feeling of the Spirit as they faced new opportunities and obstacles. Right? So we already talked about whenever Peter was in front of the council, Holy Spirit spoke through him to give him the words necessary. And then Holy Spirit came and gave them more boldness to preach the Word of God. And then it says in Acts 4, then Peter, who was already said to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is filled with the Spirit once again. In Acts 4.31, with those who were gathered together, who were also in the upper room, were filled once again with the Spirit to be uh, to embody the Holy Spirit and to preach the gospel with boldness. And in Acts 13.9, Paul, who was filled with the Spirit back in Acts chapter 9, is seen again to be filled with the Spirit as he spoke to the magician. So maybe you're here today and you need a fresh filling of the Spirit. Because you're in some new territory. You're in a new stage of life. The good thing is God is a God of more. Maybe you're here tonight and at this conference because you've been following Jesus and you know that when I, when I read the word of God, there's just something more and i got to grasp it. I remember at 14 to 15 years old praying in my bedroom, Father, like I'm attending church and, and these people love the Lord, but something's missing. When I'm reading your word, what I'm reading isn't being shown and revealed inside the church walls. So God, what is there? And thankfully, it took two years for him to show me that. There's more than what most of us have experienced in our Christian life. And even those who have experienced more, there's still more. Or maybe you're here because, well, you were invited and didn't have anything else better to do. You said, well, it's church. How bad can it be? <laughs> but while you've been here, there's been this like tugging on your heart that, like, that, that, that you know that there's something more. You know, what's being said by Holy Spirit is really resonating with you. Or maybe you're in that maybe you're in that you're in that mindset and you're here today because you came with a special need. Lord, I need a touch from you. If I don't get a touch from you, I'm not going to make it. Heidi Baker, if, if you read anything of Heidi Baker or watch any, any of her videos, she's a missionary in Mozambique, and she says, if the Lord doesn't show up, we all die. Do we have that kind of desperate cry in our heart that, God, if you do not show up, I'm not going to make it? Because I can tell you in those moments when there's that desperateness, and we cry out to God instead of going to what the world has to offer, God responds to that. Regardless of where you're at tonight, We're here for you. God is here for you. Holy Spirit's been moving and operating all day. He wants to encounter you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in this intimate, loving relationship with you. Maybe you're kind of standoff. Well, 
I just know that as soon as I say yes, some crazy things are going to happen. That's okay. Because once it happens, you won't think it's crazy anymore. It's crazy because it looks different than the safe Christianity. It becomes a radical Christianity. We have a prayer team that is, has been praying and been, has been so prayerful for this event. I'm assuming we're going to be over here in this area some kind of way or I was Just find someone. Yeah, over here standing. We love nothing more than to partner with you as you pursue the Lord. We don't want you to leave here tonight not gaining something and taking it back with you. I don't want this to be, if you've ever gone to like tea camp or, or, or some kind of week-long camp, right, and you're on a high for like a day or two, and then it's like, boom, crash and run. Like, we don't want that here. Whatever God has done today, whatever Holy Spirit has done today and is going to continue to, to do today, we want that to stick. We want you to live in power for missions so that we can go and do the Great Commission. So you can go and talk to people that, that you never thought that you'd be able to talk to before. So that you can go and have boldness and preach and do the word of God so that people can encounter the love of the Father. Because here's the thing, there are people out there who are lost. They're in darkness and they're in desperate need of that freedom that you and I get to live in and that we take advantage of every single day. Don't you want someone to live like you? Can you remember where you were before Jesus? There are people still stuck there. And maybe they don't know it, but they need a touch from heaven. This, this day hasn't been about, well, let's get you high on the Lord and then whatever. No, no, we want you to get in touch with God. We want you to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want you to implement what He is doing into your personal life so that those that you encounter get to encounter Him. permission I'm going to call Joel up uh, Joel has some um, some words that, that that as the prayer team we have, we just have spent time praying and praying and, and just listening to the Lord and there's some words that um, oh, he's over there, that Joel would like to um, to put out there if, if any of these words relate to you the prayer team is already aware of them Feel free to go to the curtain to you want that word that was given. That's me. Let them pray with you. And if, if for some reason that, that these words don't touch you at all, but there's this, this burning desire for more, let us pray with you. We don't want you to leave here the same. Because God is a God of more. Amen? So we have a lot of words for you tonight. I looked through them, thought it was a reasonable amount, and realized I missed two pages of them. So <laughs> bear with me as we get through these. We've been really praying about this event, hoping that we can really uh, change some lives here. So uh, bear with me as I read through them, uh, just recalling what all of them were, because it, it might take a little bit to reread them. So um, we had a. Uh, image of someone who was, had their face pressed against the window. They were looking out the window to find something that they thought they would be able to see, um, but the glass wasn't, um, they couldn't see through it. 
Uh, the person was visibly frustrated because they couldn't see through it, and um, if you looked at it from a different angle, um, it was very clear that the reason the person couldn't see through the glass that they wanted to see through was because they were close to it and they were breathing against the glass, fogging it up. Um, I also say as I read these, I welcome you to write them down since there will be a good amount of here. Just write them down so that way you remember them when yeah, you come ask for prayer. Um, maybe someone who feels like they can't stand up straight. Uh, this might be because of a physical reason, such as uh, neck pain or injuries, or it might be something more emotional. Uh, they might feel shame or guilt that's causing them to hunch over and not stand up straight as much as they'd like to. Uh, someone who has lower back pain, as a word, and uh, just as we continue through the night, we notice that uh, back pain in general has been a word, or at least something to do with the back has been a word throughout the night, so we continue to encourage you uh, through that. Um, someone who has a poor relationship with their father, um, so much so that they maybe have threatened to kill their father or wish their father dead. Um, someone who has dreamt, or sorry, uh, someone who might be a hypochondriac, um, and it's causing the person a lot of anxiety. Um, I did just look this up because I did not know what hypochondriac was on top of my head. Um, essentially, someone who has a fear that they might have something wrong with them, um, but it's undiagnosed. I know just in general, there's a lot of fear of sickness spreading around, so we love to offer prayer for that. Um, someone who needs healing from chronic headaches or migraines. And uh, someone whose boss might be flirting with them or making passes at them. Uh, moving on, I had a uh, vision a couple of days ago. Um, it was of a wealthy man who stood alone at an event with many other wealthy men. He saw a lot of familiar faces, but didn't have a lot in common with the, the people around him. Uh, he grabbed a drink, sat down at a table, feeling completely out of his element. And as he sat down, he encountered, encountered a poor man, which he thought was rather strange, since the event was mostly focused around richer people. Um, he talked uh, with the poor man, uh, he had a lot of laughs, he smiled with him, was at more peace than he's ever been as, in his life talking to this poor man. Um, but the people organizing the event found out that this poor man wasn't allowed to be at the event, so they threw him out. Uh, rather than the man following that man out, he kind of sat there knowing that this is the way things work, that there's sort of like this upper class and this lower class, and there's a separation. So while he felt bad for the poor man and that he couldn't continue to have those laughs, um, he didn't do much about it. So if you have any pulling on your heart, um, then maybe you are that rich man who wants to be more empowered to chase after the poor, we encourage that. Um, a line of trees. Um, there are several small trees surrounding one big tree in the middle. Um, the big tree, while it is the biggest and seems most powerful, uh, when you paid attention to the branches, the branches were all dying. 
So if you feel like you might be in a similar situation where you feel like you might have a lot of power, but your branches are dead and not bearing fruit, uh, there's prayer for that. Um, maybe someone whose passion has felt like it's come to a complete halt, uh, where they no longer feel like they care about anything. Along with this, um, someone who maybe that passion was also in their singing. Um, maybe they can no longer sing due to some damage that has happened to them. Or maybe they just have no urge to sing because that passion and that joy is uh, not filling them still. Um, crushing waves of shame leading someone to suicidal thoughts. Um, if you relate to that, we would love to offer some prayer. Um, birds flying in a V formation. Um, specifically uh, with this, I did a little research. Uh, birds fly in a V formation because the person in front of them, not only is that their leader getting them to their destination, but they're also bearing the weight for uh, the birds behind them. So if you feel like you're a bird who is flying but doesn't have either a guide or someone who is able to bear some of that weight, uh, we would love to offer some prayer for you for that. Um, a severing of your tongue from your body. Um, this might be physical, um, but I think it's also possibly metaphorical. Someone who is meant to be speaking a lot of truth and is meant to be speaking a lot of life into people, uh, but maybe just isn't embracing that um, the way they should. And instead of being completely severed from their body, it's supposed to be a tongue of fire that is continuing to encourage people around them. Um, someone who's standing in a dark void with no direction on where to go, it's just all black and they just don't know where they're supposed to go. Um, again, just any feeling in the upper back, if you feel a hand pressing you, uh, we'd love to pray for that. Um, prayer for joy. Who feels like there's just a huge load on them and they can't embrace joy the same way. Um, someone who's being carried in a prison cage, um, the person is wanting to get out of the bars, trying to get out of the bars as much as they can, and they just don't know how, but as they look at it, they realize the person who is carrying the cage is themselves. Um, someone who is submitting to the enemy, and this might be either them knowing they're submitting to the enemy, or maybe even unknowing. Um, any shaking in the legs that makes it hard to stand. Um, again, just the hand on the back. You know, I keep coming back to this one, but specifically, Anna gave a um, sort of metaphor about how this relates to the Holy Spirit in one of her sessions. So if that related to you at all, uh, that one might be what's calling out to you the most, and we would love to pray for you on that. Um, and in my session, I mentioned just someone who, I had my, the first sort of big encounter I had was a dream where I was walking amongst the leaves, a uh, bunch, a river of falling down leaves. Um, I felt like maybe there's other people in this room that it's their time to have an equal dream that just brings them peace. If you feel like you just really want the gift of dreaming, the gift of visions, and you want to have your own spiritual dream tonight that helps you have a dream of walking through the river and falling down leaves, uh, we would love to um, sort of anoint you in that way. The final one, 
is uh, we, we mentioned this one at a different one that me and Jamin went to and we didn't see anyone get prayer for it. I felt like um, it was just pulling on my heart to mention it uh, one more time. Um, it has to do with um, dinosaurs and I don't know um, what this is. It's just a fear of dinosaurs. Um, maybe that's from when you were little and you saw Jurassic Park too young. Or um, maybe on the other hand, maybe dinosaurs has always threatened your faith that you don't know how there can be a God and there can be dinosaurs. I don't know what it is, but if that does relate to you, uh, we would love to offer prayer for you. So our word to audience ratio is pretty high tonight. As we move into this time, I kind of mentioned in an email, but um, our prayer team has been instructed not to touch you, but Stephen just doesn't know how not to do that. So if you're really afraid, don't go to Stephen. Or Maisha. Uh, but a lot of them have asked, can they ask if they can touch you? And you can tell them no if you want. For God healed the centurion from miles. And you are much closer than that. Um, but nonetheless, I've put some wet wipes over there as well. So you may all be healed by the power of alcoholic napkins. Um, oh, Holy Spirit, come. What a crazy week. God, I just think of yesterday as we gathered together to pray for this event. Feeling almost at the point like, is this over? Instead, walking away from that prayer meeting, think, wait, did God actually perhaps ordain us to have this conference at the peak of the start of coronavirus? I don't know, I don't have any answers. I guess it depends if we go home with corona or not. But whatever the case might be, we are here, we are present, we are ready. Holy Spirit, come now in the name of Jesus. Fill us up in you. This time is yours. You do what you want with it. Spring us closer to you. Amen. There's a million different postures you might feel like you want to take on as we worship. Totally fine. Whatever posture you want to do. Here at Bubble Weight, we just always do this. Would you at least start by standing with us? Prayer team will be here for the night while we worship. And uh, let's see what God's going to do, amen?